Alvin Lee, 10 years after, I'd love to change the world. I just don't know what to do. Roger Sales, your host, moderator, call screener, engineer, producer, executive producer, and host. And happy to be all those. Finally, after a couple of years, I'm uh, learning how to juggle all those things accurately. To some extent, anyway, happy to have you along if you are along. And if you're listening later, then happy to have you then. Uh, Radio Ranch, of course, what I kind of named the show for a lot of personal reasons that go back many years. And uh, the People's Patriot Network, our platform, and the name again, because I thought it was real apropos. We don't charge you anything. We don't sell your ears. I'm not out hustling, advertising money. I don't have all these other people to do all those jobs because, as you know, I do them. Here comes our buddy Patrick calling in there early. Well, that's a pleasant surprise on Tuesday. Hey, Patrick. Uh, I kind of do all this stuff here, and uh, what uh, what I do is the format has just been developed as we started originally is to teach people about freedom. A lot of people don't care about freedom. Uh, and, and so you teach the ones that come, you know, and uh, then it develops into what else do you talk about? So you got all these other things that bear on this freedom that we can go in and analyze and talk about and see how it is they got their mitts on us and all that kind of stuff. But uh, sometimes it's just a flat-ass discussion group on whatever comes up that's on somebody's mind. And so that may be the case today. Patrick checked in first, Samuel second. Hey, Patrick. Hey, bud. Hey, we're, I just run around out here trying to crank up all my old uh, turds laying around here, make sure they're running. I winterized everything yesterday. And yeah, good idea. Of course, you know, we got us a little little, little Arctic blast down here in the two, south. And two of them. You're getting a double, a left and a right hook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like cold weather. I'm a little chubby. It don't bother me. I don't really right. get that. Get that cold. Like I most used people. to. I remember uh, back when I was in shape, I got cold. Being a skier all my life, since I was in high school and my teens and stuff, I've always loved, you know, winter and uh, plan winter vacations and that kind of silly stuff. But, you know, as you get older, I like the change of seasons, too. We were talking about it the other day with Daryl, how pretty it is this time of year. And, uh, but man, I. As I get older, I get a, a, a less affinity for colder weather, and I don't think I'm going to be skiing again, probably. So, uh, anyway, I understand, and uh, it's nice to be in this. This Ecuadorian climate is it's just nice, man. It really is. It, there's some peripheral stuff oh, yeah. living here that, you know, you, you may not like as much or might not be used to it or whatever, but the weather and the climate are the common denominator with virtually everybody that lives down here. Um, hey, Makes did you get sense. my message? Did you get my message yesterday on the phone? Hey, oh yeah, Brenda got a big. She got a big kick out of that. Yeah, she she's got select words for Baba. You know, it was in the F term, but uh, everybody was tickled. I could care less about it. But uh, the Tigers, go Tigers! They they laid it to them. Boy, I'll tell you now, uh, you know, and I, I, I just have to touch on this a little bit because outside of this show, it's a big part of my personal life, you know. 
I mean, I went to school there. I ended up in school yeah. there. My dad was in the Air Force, and after we left Alaska, where I went to high school, his last assignment was Louisiana. And so in that transition, high school, college, you know what's funny, Patrick, when I was in Anchorage, I remember this. We had a beautiful high school where I was. The high school cost more than the state of Alaska did when they purchased it. And it was marble floors and all this stuff is two stories. And they had a beautiful round part of it. Most, a lot of it was destroyed in the earthquake. And it was Good Friday and school was out or a bunch of us had been killed in that because that, a lot of that second floor fell through. Uh, but anyway, I remember going up to the wow. library, and back then they had all 50 states, and uh, there's 50 then, and then they had all the little booklets that the colleges would send out, you know, and they where you could look at different yeah. states and go through and pick, and some of them had, you know, a number of them. And I went to Louisiana. I didn't know anything about it. I'd been up there for four years. I'd just grown up through that high school time of my life. And I go over, and the first one I picked up was Grambling. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm looking through this grambling book and didn't know it was, and it was a lot highly more segregated back then. But you know, even Grambling had a white, uh, a white football quarterback there for at, at one point. Anyway, it was so I've been associated wow. with, with LSU and especially LSU football since uh, for over 50 years. And, man, I ain't never seen anything like what yeah. I saw happen this year and Saturday. I hadn't talked about it on the air, but, man, I was so excited from the first game. I had a friend of mine that's a big Auburn fan, that, and I called him up I, after the first half of the first game. We played Georgia Southern, I think. And I said, hell, man, we're going to beat Alabama this year. I could see it in the first half of the first game, the way that they were playing. And, I mean, it's just like nothing almost in a college football team I've ever seen before. And I'm so proud it's them and so part, proud of everything that happened over there Saturday in Tuscaloosa. I mean, in essence, we won the game. The score is not indicative of the game. Uh, Alabama did play good. They're a high-quality class program. They've been around for a long time. That's part of the animus here. You know, listen, we beat them one oh, yeah. time. Let me let me give you some history here. We When I was in school in the 60s, Charlie McClendon was the coach. And Charlie McClendon had been one of Bear Bryant's players up at Kentucky. And they, of course, were old friends. And he didn't beat him too many times, but he beat him once in Baton Rouge in 68, I think, or 69. But... Then, after I got away from school for a 30-year period, 30 years, and we play home and home. We're there one year, and, you know, they're the other the next. Yeah. And for 30 years, we didn't win a game at home against those people. That's strong. Okay. That's strong. And well, so, Brenda, she said, she said Saban's probably going to leave now. I said, what do you mean? She goes, he ain't, he ain't the star no more. He ain't winning. Well, <laughs> well you know, in all honesty, well, well, see, then we went through the doldrums, and that, and it was Nick Saban that came out of nowhere that sal that brought the program back, and then he decides he wants to go pro, go play pro, coach pro in Miami, fails, and they come in the back door in high pressure and get him into over there in Tuscaloosa. So that even adds more uh, fuel to the fire. See, okay. And but here, I don't this keep is up with it. I, I know, know, I know, and it's just that I do and have for many years and follow this stuff. And, and, yeah. and but th this is one of the interesting things here. Just recently, within the last couple of months, he did an interview, and uh, uh, Saban said the biggest professional mistake he made 
was leaving LSU. And now this comes back to Biden. Wow. So it's really exciting. There's a changing of the guard there. And after Alabama's been in control for many years and uh, uh, for, a variety, yeah. for a variety of reasons, and let's not even open all those cans of worms, uh, uh, it looks like there was a changing of the guard. It was an exciting game. Every NFL team had a general manager or a, or, or a representative at that game. President Trump was at the game. I mean, it was it's just unbelievable yeah. setting and results. And, and it's got, I've been walking on a cloud for a couple of days. I'm just starting to come down. And, uh, but anyway, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, boy, that, it just an amazing confluence of events all coming together. All right. And what happened over there yeah. Saturday? Let me, they, in that game, they won the Western Division of the SEC. That's the toughest division in college football. Okay, They went in and, and set themselves up to possibly win the Southeastern Conference, which I'm pretty sure we probably will. They, the coach probably won coach of the year. The assistant coach, Tom Brady, they brought on that put all this together, probably won the assistant coach of the year, and the quarterback probably won the Heisman Trophy, all in that game. All in that game. Unreal. Well, that's yeah. good. That's yeah. good. The uh, the coon asses are high tonight. Boy, you listen, you know, man. They, they've done well. I can only imagine. <laughs> the state's on fire. They've been a sleeping giant for years. They just not had anybody that could put it all together, and Orgeron has, and God bless him. Hey, Samuel, what's going on in California, brother? Hey, Roger. I, I think I should apologize for yesterday. I think I was over-amped on coffee. <laughs> <laughs> that happens, happens. <laughs> yeah, I got up pretty early, and I think I drank a pot before I started talking to you yesterday. Uh, you know anyways, what I've had um, down here? What I've had down here a couple of times that is wonderful, really, is coca leaf tea. And because you can take those coca leaves and make tea out of them, and you get a mild no, stimulus. It's not any kind of a cocaine. But you know how sometimes uh, coffee with the acid will upset your stomach. Yeah. That never does that. It's a, actually good for the gastrointestinal tract. So, anyway, that's a nice thing. I, I don't do it much, but I have a few times. Cool. I got to try it sometime. I, I want to get off the coffee. I'm sort of a health nut, and I do overdo things. It's just my personality. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't matter what it is, Obs and coffee's oh. on my list getting well. cut back on. Obsessive-compulsive. <laughs> sort of, kind of. <laughs> yeah, well, I am, too. Anyways, I, track, I identify with that. I, I, I tracked down the elusive Ron Gibson. Mr. Farley uh, responded to my email within an hour, I think, really? and gave How me nice. his uh, phone, his uh, email, yeah. and his address. So I put a, a, a request into him asking him about the book and what it takes to get it. So that's sort of exciting. Um, you know, I look forward to that. Um, and then, uh, you know, you mentioned twice about the cabin burning down and these guys were, uh, off the tax rules and yeah. I thought about that a little bit. And, um, you know, Jesus says, if, you know, if we're going to pick uh, God over man, that, uh, we're going to get a lot of crap for that. Um, and so I guess I start there and then, um, I think if you did get yourself off the tax, tax rolls, you could write a letter to these guys, very nice, explaining your position, 
and telling them if they choose to help you in your time of need, that would be greatly appreciated, and you'd be happy to reimburse them for that, or you could pay them, you know, a little bit every year, um, stuff like that, just to sort of maybe teach at the same time, have them understand, and let it up to them. They show up or they don't show up. I personally am going to sprinkle my place. I've got a pump selected that will do around 76 gallons a minute. I've, I'm going to have to harden the place. There's a lot of places, the windows, uh, screens for ventilation, the plumbing vents that are plastic. All these are entry places for, uh, for fire. And, uh, but if you can pre-sprinkle, uh, they say 30 minutes in advance of the fire coming through, you stand a really, really good chance of uh, stopping it. But out here in California, what they want you to do is, like Daryl sort of mentioned, um, you want to have 100 foot of clear space around your building to, you know, uh, be a fire break. I, I just don't like that living that way. I live in the trees. I love the trees. I build around them. So they, their canopy's over the top of my building. So I got to do something to uh, soak those babies down in case uh, we end up with that kind of a situation. Anyway, maybe cut the fire sort of break, maybe keep the tree, a few trees around your house. Like, and I understand that totally. Uh, and cut the fire break outside that tree line. Yeah, but still. Um, but I don't know the way you land that. or anything, you know. I mean, I it's just yeah, it's sad. One, it, it saddens me that you got somebody's got to live in that situation, and people can't work together to solve those problems that that create them. You know, part of it is that underbrush well, situation all over the West out there. It causes problems because all well, the damn environmentalists. This is one of the things that Ron Gibson brought up in one of his videos. He says, when you're a landowner, a true landowner, you're obligated to work with your neighbor. He says, don't put up an eight-foot fence so you don't see him and you can't talk to him. He says, get to know them and work with them. He says, how can my land benefit you? Well, right there, get your underbrush taken care of. Get all these fuel sources down. I mean, where I live, it's, I mean, I cut... Out my property line, I didn't didn't know where one was, so I, I finally located it, and there are places where I went through. I think it, there was probably eight foot tall of down trees. Brought, I mean, I'm on a lot of acreage, um, and I, it took me hours just to cut through there to right. have a walking line right. to get uh, down the property line. Yep. So all that has to come up, but I tell you what, I did it. <laughs> Uh, on one side of the property some years ago, and it's all back. I mean, it's it's a jungle. <laughs> it takes a lot of effort. But I want to put a, a, a trail all the way around the perimeter of the property and then start pushing back from there so I can get into the property line and then start cutting my stuff back off the property big, line uh, how, into how, the property. How big a piece of property is it, Samuel? I got 20 acres, and it's a rectangle, so... That's an eighth of a mile by a quarter of a mile. A 40 would be a quarter by a quarter. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of land to keep up with, especially if it's wooded. It's com almost completely covered. I got a few clearings, uh, very small. Um, it's such a beautiful part of the country out there. I've never really spent much time in Northern California. I've brushed up against it. 
and but my experiences out there when I was younger were spectacular. It's a beautiful part of the world. Uh, I have gone, uh, uh, spent a, a number of years skiing and, and some time out in Colorado and, and even more so up in Wyoming at Jackson Hole. Uh, spectacular parts of the country, really. Yeah, the only ugly thing is the politics, and yep. of course, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing to protect myself on that end. And I mean, Ron Gibson is one of those things. He's 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 not uh, shy of saying that you can get off the tax rolls. And a lot of these guys who want to do land patents, they're not that bold. He has that faith mm-hmm. uh, that it works mm-hmm. and that you can implement it. And uh, I'm well, game. I, I'm going to see I, what he has to do. And, okay. and I'm not dissing Chris either. You know, Chris no, no, is no. saying. He's done it, and uh, he, do, he he did it a different way, and he's worried about recording. Um, and, uh, you know, that's a question that, you know, we need to run by, Mr. Gibson, when we get more sure. of an association well, going here. And I, if I get a, 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 a dialogue going with him, um, I'm going to ask him if he would consider coming on the show for well, I'd love, a two-hour stint on well, I'd, love to, I'd love to have him on the show and discuss some of this stuff with him. It's not right in my wheelhouse, but I understand the importance of the uh, – the, uh, the 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 quest and the goal, uh, and I was going to say, Steve, uh, Samuel, we'll just kind of stick you as the head of the of the research group here, and you can get, tell us what you find as you go forward. And if you make that good association with this nice gentleman, it'd probably be a joy to have him on the show, talk to him, pick his brain a little bit, get him exposed to our stuff because there's probably some stuff there that may be relevant to him that he doesn't have a grasp of. And I totally agree with you. There's there's a lot more ways to skin a cat than one. But in my efforts here with this, the one thing that I've always been striving to keep in total focus was its adaptability and 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 its ability to be duplicated to get it simple enough where people can understand it and they might even be motivated to take action and here the afore the aforementioned chris as if appearing when beckoned as if a genie rubbing the bottle and he appears chris comes on with us hey man welcome roger up one more quick thing. Uh, like he says, uh, a properly executed land patent is proof of your sovereignty. I, I, I don't disagree with that because you can't have it and, and let you know you can't own the land unless you, you're not owned yourself. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and I, I totally see like that it. immediately. But and that's why it would be even more interesting to see. Uh, his approach, and, and and if that also absolves you, in a sense, the way we know it does with the submission of an affidavit and a statement, uh, two or four, you know. I, some of our patriots want to get on there, I'm a U.S. national, or I'm a state citizen, or whatever, instead of going on and saying, I'm not related to black slaves after the Civil War. That's a much easier way to do it. You button it up a lot quicker and a lot firmer that way going on the negative. Hey, Christopher, what's going on with you? We were talking about you, man. Well, I'm sorry I didn't hear you talking about me. They say the only thing worse than being talked about is not. However, I was catching some of your dialogue there about the uh, freeholders, those who hold private grants of land-made patent, through fee simple absolute title and allodium. Yes, sir. I thought it was interesting that Daryl dug up that Littleton book yesterday out of uh, 
uh, out of the books I got him up there, about four, four, four banana boxes full, if I remember right, something like that. You know how big those banana boxes are at the grocery store? There's like four of them uh-huh. that my brother I'd kept in the attic because I just couldn't bear to. Th- I threw a bunch of them away, man. I just killed me. Oh, I had yeah. to throw them. I didn't want. Nobody wanted them. I was going to Argentina and I had to get them out of there. And so uh, it broke my heart. But I took a sample of all of them and, and uh, usually two or three copies and put them in those four boxes and stuck them up in the attic. And here about a year or so ago, my brother was kind enough to go up there and get him down. And he was going up to Gadsden to see somebody graduate from college up there and uh, got with Daryl. And they got a chance to yak for a couple hours and meet each other and and trade those books over. And then Daryl's so darn busy. He hadn't had much of a chance since then to open them up and look through them. But that's why it was a particular joy yesterday when he read that out of there that came from that Littleton book that came from all that. So... Kind of interesting the way life works out, you know. I just hated to get rid of them. You guys can, uh, uh, the, the, John and Glenn went to a bunch of trouble when they set this thing up and started it, and they went to a real good printer, and John went back and got some of the stuff he knew was real important, like these people none of you had ever heard of before we talk about them here generally, Pollock, Maitland, Cook, Littleton, uh, shepherds, probably some of you heard about them, but there are some other ones in there too. And, and had those things real professionally reprinted. They, I think they charged us the cost of printing and they were 20, 25 bucks a piece. So anyway, Daryl's the, uh, the benefactor at those, the keeper of those now. And with, uh, our other good listener, uh, Jimmy, uh, looks like, uh, our, our, uh, he, um, Jimmy lives down in the L.A. area, and he doesn't interact with the show too much. I hear from him. Him and I trade emails occasionally. But he makes custom-made instruments and sells them all over the world. Guitars, wood, wood instruments, high, high, high quality. And back in the, I don't know how many years ago it was, but Jimmy bought 50. He's the only person that bought 50 copies of my book. And and he sent was going to send one out with every instrument he sent out that year. And he's done some other things there with him locally. Just anyway, he's moving up there by, where Daryl is and moving his whole business and everything up to Etowah County, Alabama. He's got the place secured and all that, and hopefully he's got enough space. And they're going to have a real nice library for us with all these good books over there. Hopefully the damn Yankees won't come through and burn it down. They'll have a hard time if they Rob, do. Uh, yes, yesterday I mentioned the, uh, the uh, Gibson says there's that hidden federal lien on all properties in the yeah. country, right? Right, right. He says that another way that you can go after that is uh, you offer to pay it off, and you entice them. Say you, you'll you'll borrow Federal Reserve notes or whatever to take care of it, and then when they they, they come to take the carrot, you come in with gold and silver to pay it, which they cannot take. Well, they won't take. And then you've uh, dismissed, or you're discharged that well, lien. There is a there There's is a rule. Thing. There is a rule in merchant law. I don't know where to find it, but I've heard about it years ago. That a, a payment tendered and refused is a as a payment considered paid. Exactly. Fact, That's what he said. A payment offered is a payment made, and if you can get the refusal in writing, it becomes testamentary evidence 
the debt was satisfied, set off, and discharged because they refused your offer of true lawful monum in payment because they wouldn't take anything but federal reserve debt notes. Well, yeah. it's a pretty well, interesting world we live in. There's, you know, the scope of people that want to do that is not huge, not a large percentage, but we certainly tip our hat to you doing it out there, Stephen, and hopefully we can all go to school on your efforts and maybe even meet a new friend and uh, associate in the process. So that's pretty exciting. Um, speaking of turmoil, uh, I mean, shit, the world's absolutely, uh, I mean, it's almost ablaze. You know, you got people literally being set on the on fire in the streets in Hong Kong. Hong Kong, just another day. Somebody else got shot over there the day before yesterday or something. It, it They're almost ready to do a po post-mortem on Hong Kong. The city's just about bankrupt. The commerce has gone to less than 50%. Yeah, I mean, it's just unbelievable over there. Uh, we've got this morning the Chilean dollar dropped, the Chilean peso dropped to the lowest it's ever been against the dollar. Um, you've got an overthrow, a silent coup that... I don't know how much you've heard about, heard a mention or two, you know, what's gone on in Bolivia in the last few days. That's a country that's, a, I don't know if it's adjacent to us, but it's not too far down the road. Has a communist, had a communist president that was popularly elected by the indigenous people of, of Bolivia. Uh, he's the one, I don't know if y'all remember, it was back when I was in Argentina, it was about 10 years ago, the Pope made one of his big visits to the continent down here. And he didn't go to Argentina on that trip. He was up here in the northern part of the continent. And when he stopped into Venezuela, Morales, newly elected, probably been in office a year or so, if I remember, gave him a crucifix that was shaped into a hammer and a sickle. Did any of you see that picture? I think I did. Nope. <laughs> so who saw it? Samuel, did you see it? No, he Chris didn't get it. Oh, I thought it was Chris. Okay, I, I couldn't tell his voice answered. Yeah, I mean, it was a, a crucifix of Jesus shaped into a hammer and a sickle. So, anyway, he has been deposed. Uh, he evidently got somehow finagled it to get a, 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 a rubber stamp by the Supreme Court that he could run for a third term. And he run, won, and he ran, and he won, and now the OAS, Organization of American States, has caused a lot of problems down here, has funded these gangs. And I was listening to a gal from down there on an interview with the Gray Zone right before the show, and they, she said, you wouldn't believe that the, all the governors, all the mayors, their houses have been threatened by these gangs. Their families threatened the whole thing. They're, they're going around the country burning stuff, and the head of the military went up to him, told him to step down, and took over basically in a military coup. Do you think that's important? A little Bolivia sitting in the middle of South America, one of the poorest countries down here. Do you think that might be important? Yeah, all this might makes right in the world is uh, killing us all, man. You know what Bolivia's got, Samuel? Almost oh, no, the weeds. largest, almost inexhaustible supply of lithium in the world. Oh, really? Mm. And Morales has been keeping a cap on it to keep the resources of the country in there to be used for the indigenous people and, and developed in a smart way for them. 
And obviously he's been out today, and I'm sure that somehow that gigantic, inexhaustible virtual pool of lithium is somewhere at the bottom of this. What do you want to bet? Jeez. They could well be. Uh, so anyway, yeah. that's going on. There's just turmoil all over the world. It's bubbling up. It's kind of going to the surface. The financial uh, looks like it could step off a cliff at any time. The credit market is seizing up. Uh, insiders are selling their inside stock the, the most they've ever done it. Uh, we're right there. Roger, I wanted to say something while we have Chris on. Um, I know in the past I've had a really bad phone connection. I know he has, too. I, and I wanted to uh, reiterate that uh, Chris is the reason that I made it back to you uh, because of his incarceration. I heard on that on other shows that made me realize that you were out there. And so Chris's demise there for a little bit was uh, the whole reason I'm here. Well, good. So I just wanted him to know that. Good. You didn't hear me in the past. Good deal, man. Making women made out of women, huh? <laughs> uh, you know, I, uh, <laughs> yeah, making no, no, making chicken soup out of chicken poop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good thing. And, and Chris, I, you know, I, I don't know if you heard the beginning. Uh, this Ron Gibson guy, he's got a different approach than you've taken, but. Um, he has a lot of experience, and I'll, I'll certainly not disregard what you're saying either. I, I will be thorough and check everything out. And like I said to Roger, maybe we can get Ron to contribute for a little bit, and uh, we can pick his brain. Um, so I'm you know, up to that and getting in touch with him. So. Samuel, did I mention to you this approach that, that one of our listeners kind of turned me on to? I never thought about it. Lynn, the wolf woman? Were you listening when she was? No. I hadn't heard from her in a while. Do you know about her? I remember you mentioning her. She's a elderly lady who lives in on the edge and uh, has raises wolves. Yeah, they're uh, awesome animals. I used to have one. Yeah, out in Texas, and she was going to move to Florida. I don't know. I hadn't heard from her in a pretty good while. I don't know. Hope nothing's happened to her. Uh, but uh, uh, she lived out on the grid with solar panels. And uh, raised wolves, and she was saying on, uh, saying that she bought her land, and uh, I think sold it to the bought it from the guy, and then never registered it. See, she bought it, paid le legal, you know, legal money, and did a formal uh, kind of common law contract, and took control of the land, and never got, went over and changed the name on the roll. When they came to him and tried to present him with a tax bill, he said, "I don't own that land anymore." Yeah, that's well. That's the, one of the approaches. That's one of the approaches team law takes, which I think is bullshit. But he says that a way you could get it off the tax rolls is you allow the land to to be sold, or not the land, the real estate, to another entity who never takes control of the land, and you keep the land, and you tell them, well, it's my land, and I've, I've got the patent, so no taxes for that reason. Sort of the same thing, but I don't know. I don't trust that. Let me well, jump in here. Our, uh, I'll just say this, Patrick, before you jump in. Our family land, I had a beautiful piece of family land there in Florida on the water, not on, on the on the Gulf, but inland a little bit, on a really, really beautiful spot. 
and it's never had a mortgage on it ever in 45, 50 years. And, uh, but my mother is now legally blind with macular degeneration. That's one of the reasons I try and fight it so hard. And, uh, um, they've taken her part of the benefits of being declared legally blind in their system is they'll take, they'll absolve you of your taxes. So I was thinking if I w wanted to change that land and just sell it to me under that pretense, I've already established my sovereignty, and then never register it, I wouldn't go down and change it, just be my mother would be, you know, 200 years old on it still after she passes. But anyway, it's interesting, this stuff, and certainly we're talking about. Patrick, what would you want to add, brother? Oh, I just, down here we say you can't make chicken salad out of chicken as you well know, but this deal with uh, the taxes and the uh, affidavit and all that, as I do this this week with uh, Pepper and you, uh, I was speaking to my counsel, and one of them is an accountant, and he said, if I keep the LLCs, all the profits go to me. And then he said, at that point, you're responsible personally for I the think that's right. profits of that business. And he said, it's best because I want to go back to this corp. And he said, he said, I nah, skip that. He said, if what you're going to do, he said, I'm behind you. He said, once the profits fall into your your coffers and what you say is true, then he said, they're going to have a hard time coming at you. Yep. They'll so that's, they, that's they, what I'm going to do. I'm going to shore it up business-wise. You might want to explain it to everybody, but personal is one thing on taxes, but taking it to the business levels next. And, and I think I try to put myself in the days of old. Well, I, you know, I'm doing business as, as Benjamin Franklin today. You know? Well, let's I'm go doing over. business as George Washington. There, there is no LLCs. There is, you know, you do business with me, I can call it AKA whatever, Fat Pats or PB&J, but at the end of the day, you know, I... At the end of the day, he changed cells. At the end of the day, in our lifetimes, you change cells. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Well, <laughs> think of it, uh, wasn't it Rothschild or Rockefeller that very good and control everything? Yep, that's exactly right. I was going to say, Patrick, you, you know that I worked with a guy's name's Dean Allen. I don't know if he's still around or not, uh, but he was real good at this, did it for 20 years, has set people up like you legitimately inside the tax system to totally avoid taxation. He did it with a bunch of people, and we know the thing was valid because he was helping somebody on a failure-to-file case, and the uh, uh, DOJ ran a, an informant in on him and and wired the whole conversation because when he did the FOIA, he found the interview in the damn FOIA material. Okay, so it even had the wow. blessings of the Department of Justice, and because it was done strictly in the Internal Revenue Code, and this is the way all these corporations do it, they always leave a path for themselves. It's just like this status thing, see? And right. what you do right. is you got you set up on the front end, like you were saying, you've already got LLCs. Well, when I was working with him, LLCs were just coming in. And they'd only been approved in about 15 or 20 of the states, and it wasn't universal yet, so we were still using partnerships. But let's say that we were using partnerships, so you'd take the trucking company, the tow company, and you'd make it a general partnership. So you got a general partner and a limited partner, right? You're the general partner. The limited partner is a trust or some type of a vehicle uh, corpora, foreign corporation, usually done with bearer bonds. Do you know about bearer bond corporations? En enlighten me. 
A bearer bond is not registered in any central registry, so they cannot be traced back to any individual ownership. The whoever bears it has the has the ownership. And so when you exchange money and you give the other guy the shares to the trust or the corporation, it's yours and you don't have to register it anywhere. And they do them in Panama and some of the Caribbean countries, okay? So you go and you take and set up one of those, and that is the limited partner to your general partner. And then you take and set up another one and link it to the second one, and that makes it, in the IRS terminology, not effectively connected. So the third one, you take the profits, the limited partner takes the profits, he passes it to the third one that's not effectively connected, and that one passes them back to you, and it's all cleaned. Huh. Sounds like to me I need to find this guy you're talking about. Well, it's all in the tax code. No, it, it, no, here's the problem. This is a much better solution. The problem is you got annual, you got all these maintenance on the corporations. You got to pay all these people down there to, you know, do all that stuff. You got to do something every annually. You got to, you know, do a bunch of shit. This one absolves you all that, this other approach. It's a gotcha. far better, but it could be done, and they'd never question you. See, that's about taxes. This is about freedom. It's they're two different horses. Yeah. Yep. 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 Not that taxes you know isn't. Not, not that taxes isn't about freedom, but it's a symptom of it. This other one is a cure-all. That's just a cure for the tax symptom. But that's the way Apple and all these guys are doing it. They're using Ireland. They're using Nevis. Uh, They're using all these little foreign jurisdictions, the catacomb down through the Caribbean. And the whole British system out of the city of London is built on that catacomb, by the way. Well kept secret, eh? Well, kind of. Yeah, I just, I want away from it. I want out of it. I'm going to. I put it but, on Ike's plate two weeks ago. I'm fixing to warm his doors. We're going to get this first part done. But with that, with the other approach, you've already got existing LLCs, right? Yeah, and I hate them, man. Well, I hate them. The old school thing worked better for me. Well, that was the old school is what you're talking about, a subchapter S, right? Yep, yep, a C and an S, yeah. Okay, well, uh, a subchapter S, if I if I know, and I'm not an expert in this area by any means, but I picked up some knowledge along the way. A subchapter S, they call a pass-through corporation because all it is is a shell that you use to pass stuff through, and that's the way you used to be structured? Okay. Is that right? I'm asking you. Is that the way you used to be structured? Uh, this- yeah, you know, I don't I don't know. I just know that it was a lot easier on me on filings and taxes, and I got money back, and I wasn't. It was easier. At LLC, it seems like I'm, I'm paying more than I've ever paid before, so I hate it. And, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a scholar of towing and wrecked cars. I know nothing about anything else. Um, I don't know the differences between a subchapter S and an LLC, but I think he's, he's right. You can take your profits out of the limited LLC, limited liability corporation is what that stands for. And, um, uh, and then you don't have to declare any more taxes unless you've got 871 or 877 B taxes. Now the other, you'll, you might pay the actual LLC may have to pay some taxes, but your portion of whatever you take out of there shouldn't be 
taxable except under those two sections of the code. To my understanding, well, Patrick. When we get out of phone day, I'm going to call you later. Uh, no, not today. Oh, I got- I, no, today's Tuesday at Patriot Lunch Day and Grocery Day and all that, so I'll be out all afternoon. Tomorrow be great. Is that okay? Is tomorrow okay? Well, hell, he's changing cells again. Oh, boy, the man's on the move. He's on the move, folks. Patrick, are you back with us? Patrick, front and center. Hey, uh, my truck's running it. My truck's running. I couldn't hear you. It, took, it takes the phone from me. Yeah, I could tell. I'm out here in the yard trying to <laughs> clean the dog pen up and feed um, the deer. And, tomorrow, all right? Yeah, I'm going around doing all the honeydews, cranking okay. equipment up. Is tomorrow okay for our conversation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I won't put okay. this thing to sleep and move on. And, okay. And, uh, all right. Well, we'll schedule it tomorrow you know, afternoon, maybe in the morning, whatever. We did our extensions with them, but I want to extend myself far away from them. It's nice to be, I'm going to tell you what, it is real nice to have those blood-sucking bastards out of your life. Yep, I truly do. Except for excise tax, I'm I'm, uh, hung on that one. Well, now those land deal, that's where I'm going to go next. Well, you know, you get into taxes, taxes, there's a lot of detail in taxes. It's quite interesting. I I hate all the intricacies, but there's (laughs) some pretty interesting stuff there. There's only two categories, indirect and direct. And I don't have any problem paying an indirect tax. And if I do have a problem paying an indirect tax, I just don't buy the item, you know. Uh, uh, But it's those capitation taxes, the ones that are on your head, that uh, that we've got as a problem here, because that's what they've been able to override. And if you look back to the way the founders set up the country, there was a check and balance in there and it's been overridden. And uh, have you ever heard us talk about that, Patrick? Which one? Well, they put in it's called the census. You know, Murr called in the other day saying, I don't want to fill that out. Well, oh, one, yeah, yeah, one of yeah, the, yeah. One of the original. Yeah, yeah, well, one of the reasons the census was formed was not only to get the accurate information on who populated the country, but also to find out to, to fit the rules and the requirements of this direct taxation category because those taxes are called capitation or head taxes. They're also called direct taxes and what that means is they're on your head or your body okay and so with the severity of that being abused they wanted to make sure that they are apportioned and that's what's in the constitution indirect taxes are uniform and direct taxes are apportioned what that means is they're equal and so the census was formed so they could find out how many people were in which state so that if there was a call for a national direct tax, they could apportion it to make sure everybody in every state paid the same amount. You got those type tags on our tractor trailers. You got a portion tags and then, you know, state uh, or federal tags. It's, it's all words, you know, trickery. It's, uh, yeah. At the see, end of the day, um, well, see, this is the interesting. I see it like they, like they're doing. It. Here's the interesting part of that: is that the check and the balance is if you're going along and all of a sudden they have to have a direct tax and it's five dollars, 
and you go, okay, well, five dollars isn't too much, and I know there's been a lot of strife going on this, that, and the other. And so then you go a couple of years later, and they go over and send an army over in some other part of the world, and they come back the next year, and your direct tax for everybody's five thousand dollars. And then everybody gets up at the same time and says, "What the hell's going on up there?" Yeah, I can change it at a whim. It's uh, you know, it's kind of like China. They got that they got that phone in your hand. You ain't no cashiers, and you got face recognition. It's coming, you know, where you said it being your forehead or your hand, it would tell you everything from the time you're born to the time you die. Uh, that I damn cell phone or I'm trying face to remember I see it coming. which trip it was when I was in Argentina, but I, I, I may have been taking a trip over to Uruguay on the boat instead of a plane, but at either the boat or the plane, I had to get eye scanned. They wouldn't let you go forward without getting eye scanned. They were instituting that whole system down there. Yep, yep. And it's here. Uh, the guy, the the president previous to the one we got now that's causing so much dissension uh, was in with the Chinese, and uh, he's got a lot of those systems here in Ecuador. But, hell, I don't go anywhere. I'm, You know, I'm not intimidated by these things. And uh, that's the strengthening and the empowering process that you go through when you realize, so what? You don't have any any controls over me anymore. Yep. Yep. I agree. Don't Come forget, out of her. Well, they, they used fear and terror as, as a real, real uh, uh, management tool. And it's quite effective. Yep. They use yep. it very well. Nothing new under the sun. Nothing new under the sun, brother. So let's see. I'll tell you, here's something else I wanted to talk about because we neglected it yesterday. And I felt a bit remiss. And that was the fact that yesterday is Veterans Day. And uh, and coming from a, a, an Air Force career officer father and growing up in the military system and now going through at when I was younger Vietnam and being able to get out of it and seeing all of this these wars to control the world's damn resources and 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 and, and politics uh, it's difficult for me to walk up to one of these guys and say thank you for your service. I, I, on one end, they're, they're ignorant just like I was, and they didn't know any better either. But what we're doing is we're really taking our young men and throwing them in to the process of trying to control the world by controlling the world's resources. I understand. They killed my dad in the fields of Laos a long time ago. It just took 60 years to get to him. I understand totally. I grew up. He, we did, he did three tours in that. Hmm. 62 to he went i think about 71 or something mm. yeah yeah i get it i get it man i get it i get it well you know i've mentioned it on the show a couple of times what my, one of the my, my dad started out in air force as a jet filer a uh, jet fighter trainer pilot and then as he got on his career he started flying transport planes and the main aircraft he flew was c-130s I mean, he flew some of the other ones, too, but that was the main one that he flew. Great and plane, by the way. It is. And unfortunately, it's so good that they've uh, 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 factored it into being the, probably the arsenal's most deadly weapon. Uh, they used to call it in those days Puff the Magic Dragon. 
and with those mini guns and cannons and all that stuff on each side. And being that he was a seasoned C-130 pilot, they wanted him to fly one of the first ones over there, and he turned them down. And they ended up passing him over and retiring him out of the service for it. But now that I've come years later to understand all that, I believe it was his way of protesting. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They made Chavez Goy race traders out of them at all. It's really easy to do in the eyes of liberty and democracy and all. It's, you know, don't, there's not a true liberty anymore. We're not a, li- well, you're not we're, we're not a republic. But, what they're putting it up for. What they're it's sad, man. It's there. sad. There's nothing we can do. Well, you can try and educate. I think the American dream's over you, with, and I think it's just prepared for the, for the wreckage. And now, I don't know if and, you heard it the other day. what you believe in. The, uh, the, all the recruiting services are exceeding their numbers early in the physical year. You know why, Patrick? You know what they're doing now? Why is that? If you join the service under four years and whatever the other stipulations are, they absolve your yeah. they absolve your student debt. Uh, the hook, I got you. Yeah, they're putting fifty thousand dollar bills in there. When I went to school, I went to school the hard knocks out in the street, learn how to fix wrecked cars. I, mom bought me down in Destin, you know, and uh, washing boats and dishes. Came back and opened a body shop business. Learned over at the Northside High School at night in Memphis and uh, split the money for teacher. But I went to go get some money to go to Tiger High, Memphis State, and they said she made too much money. You know how much money she made back in nineteen seventy nine. Eighty, she made fifteen thousand dollars. <laughs> you know, I was trying to get a Pell Grant or something. It was just the best thing ever happened to me is not to go there and learn how to work with my hands. Well, and, and, I, and, I and actually, not get most you. of them I went to school with. Most of them went to be doctors and lawyers, ended up being pharma, you know, pharmaceutical salesmen or accountants. And uh, there's probably ten more that's outrun me in the last ten years. But money don't make the man. Can you live in your skin? Less is more is where I'm headed. Yep. And to help my brother, yeah. And, well, and, and you know, my creator and, and love my family. Well, Patrick, as we're so fond of saying around here, even if you win the rat race, you're still a rat. That's right. There's Patrick's truck interrupting with his cell phone again. So, Chris, how you doing, man? Did you have a good weekend last weekend? Did you go dancing or anything? Well, as a matter of fact, I did, and even more noteworthy than that is yesterday, I finally got a chance to meet the the highly respected winners. Oh, you and Brent got to meet? And, yes, sir, and his lovely bride. Well, I'm sure that was a treat. Indeed, it was. Uh, did you buy him a buffet at one of those nice casinos? No, I took him to a more auspicious, appropriate for him location. We went to a famous day's barbecue restaurant. Oh, yeah, I bet it was delicious. Absolutely. Well, cool. Well, you want a previous to the, to the uh, time you spent together? Hmm. Well, no, I think I better leave that on off the table. But I did want to ask, uh, maybe it was Samuel that was on. I couldn't figure out who was on the call before I got on the call because I didn't Samuel. hear him or hear the name. Samuel. But um, we were talking about land patents. Where do you find this uh, Gibbons guy's uh, information? Uh, I'm always uh, anxious to learn, and perhaps if I can 
provide some clarification. I'm glad to do that pro bono also in the interest of all of our public safety and national security. Chris, I, I just got his email, his address, and his phone number, and I, I emailed him yesterday evening. So as soon as I find out uh, what it takes to get his book, because he's been practice, practicing constitutional law and patent law. Um, he's the head of the biggest mining district in uh, the country, and um, he's been doing this stuff for 48 years. He's He's got this new book on patents and, and law, and that's what I'm after. And as soon as I know how to get it, I'll I'll pass it on to Roger. And, well, uh, you can come on the show and talk about it. I don't know that I've got your, probably do, and just don't realize it, your email address, Samuel, or I put you and Chris together. But when you get the information, get a little bit. I think that changed. I, when, I, when I changed my phone, I, I ended up, unfortunately, with Google. So yeah, know, it used to be Earthlink. Yeah. Um, well, I can say one thing: both your 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 phone connection improved about a thousand percent when you changed phones, and Chris's has gotten better here too. You know, I'm a stickler on this fidelity stuff. Absolutely. Uh, another point for Samuel is that Brent Winters is a very knowledgeable common lawyer in mining law and knows about yes, he the, is uh, mining. It's 1870 or 1872. I don't remember the year right off the top of my head here exactly, but he is very studied in those air information areas. And, of course, that land patent that you're talking about has really critical aspects to it that are very complex and very few people cognize them. But I still am of the – your point about the registration, there is no law that requires you to register your private not property. Not registration, recording. It's got to be a recording, not a registration. That Ron's real clear I, about I, that. I agree. Recording is, is common law. Um, filing is administrative. That's a critical differentiation. And so recording is not necessarily – you can have a private ownership of it, and have a public notification as an alternate to the recording. Since all the recording offices really have become filing offices under the corporate states, the corporate state is a private private profit corporation, and so no one can force you to contract with another foreign corporation, at least uh, lawfully, legally they might be able to, but lawfully they can't. And I think that's part of what we're talking about is there's no requirement to record with private corporate state because your property does not lie within that state. It's extraterritorial to that, although it may lie co-currently within geophysical bounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, huh? definitely agree with now, that. You, I, uh, you said something, Samuel, that stuck with you. You said he's the head of the largest mining district in the country? Yeah, it uh, covers like five states. Is it a what what or what what's the name of the organization? I mean, what's the name of the body? Is it a common law, a, co a common law oriented type organization? No, he's 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 been doing mining uh, patents and and law forever, and he's the head of that mining district. I think it covers Oregon, Washington, California, and California probably Idaho. Montana, that up they, in that area. It's got a name, uh, the mining district, but I don't 
they, recall it offhand. They, they uh, keep track all the deeds, mining deeds and claims and stuff? Yeah. Uh, the guy who called in yesterday, he mentioned that he looked Ron Gibson up and that yes, he's the uh, head of the, uh, that mining district, yeah. actually. Yeah. Interesting. Well, the, yeah, and I, I was going to embellish a little bit of what, what Chris said, because I know a little bit from being a long, somewhat long association with Brent. Brent originally started out being a gold prospector. Do you know this, Samuel? Oh, really? He was out as gold. Well, no, he's a ge- you know geology and gold prospecting were his were his fait accompli, and in in doing that, he got into law and mining claims, and then went to go be a lawyer. So his path came through the whole mining area. It might be really interesting, well, Chris, Roger, to get this guy Gibson you, you and Brent what? together. Go ahead, Samuel. I'm sorry. Well, Brent will just be another great resource to vet the information that Ron has to give us to, you know, make sure that we're on point. Yep. Yep. Patrick left. He must um, have no, no, I think things are coming together here. I, I really really, really believe this is such an important move for all of us to make is to get that land patent perfected. Well, come out of her, you know, come out of her, come out of her, my people, to what degree is, is tailored for your situation. You, you own the land, you, you want to come out of her all the way, and you've got that right there. For other people, the situation is a little different, but it's all seeking freedom and being able to remove ourselves as much from this beast from all attachments as we possibly can, legal and otherwise. It's sorry that even it's pitiful that you got to continue to interact with the beast bitch, but you got to almost. You got to absolutely to live in some aspects of your life. Well, I when was it going comes to, to dragons and sizes of dragons, California is the biggest dragon right now. We're always leading the pack in the bad way, you know, Holy when it comes smokes. to politics and. I law. mean, it's just California's just gone down the damn tube right in front of our eyes. Uh, it, it's just unbelievable to me. Chris, you were going to say something a minute ago? Yeah, well, relative to land patents, if we go back to the foundations of the country, and Washington himself said that the nation depends upon the free ownership of lands of its people, yep. and the only people who owned lands, I think at that time it was 20 acres or more, so that they had a vested interest in perpetuating the survival of the republic. And this is one of the foundational things that foreigners that didn't have a vested interest could not be trusted because they didn't have anything to tie them to the land. That's why this only landowners and why only landowners could vote because they had exactly skin in the qualified, game. Qualified elected. Exactly correct. Another little uh, nuance that we have to be aware to is all land patents are defined in meets and bounds. Township, range, and section. They sometimes refer them to the T's, R's, and S's, the township, range, and section nomenclature. They don't use physical addresses, and I'm not convinced the word term address is not a technical term with some deeper, more insidious implication. It's like a disguise or a cost to me that they put on to uh, get control and they claim your address is a benefit, and therefore it ties you to the corporate state schemes of taxation. So you never have a postal mailing location or an address on your land grant property. In fact, mine, it's described as near 
Seligman, Arizona. And so near means close to, it, but not at explicitly. And so these words are all technical and these descriptions of the Surveyor General of the United States, who is the one who assesses the parcel, the land deed areas and cites them in the survey terms of township range and section of degrees northwest, east, and south. Now, you mentioned something yeah, really Ron, important. Ron, meets Ron and, this, go ahead, Samuel. Ron made the, the statement that uh, the whole reason for the warranty deed is to take away the meets and bounds and give you that address so that you're outside of the purviews of the land patent. Now, meets and bounds, if I'm going back to some of this stuff and I'm really reaching back, Meets and bounds is different from range and township. Those are the two ways of, me- of identifying land ownership, right? And meets and well, bounds. You may be in a range and a town. You, sh- you may still be in a range and a township in the uh, uh, the explanation of, of where that land sits. But uh, for me, uh, I have mine, and mine was signed by the president, uh, Benjamin Harrison. Uh, they're awesome little documents. They're yeah, easy yeah. to get. You just have to go to your local BLM and get them. Right. Well, the meets and bounds, isn't it meets and bounds where you go like, well, it goes from that hill over there to that creek over yonder, you know, instead of the degrees and seconds of a, of a survey. And, and I think, if I remember right, a lot of the land ownership in the east is meets and bounds because of the topography. But when they got out into the plains in the western part of the country, they could do a more the, the range and township much easier. It, is that right? No. It, it, a lot of this was set up by the Spanish already. And, and here the meridians are taking off of uh, Mount Diablo, uh, Mount Tam and Mount Shasta. So everything in California is surveyed off of those cap points on those uh, elevations. Mount Tamalpais? Is that the same as Mount Tam? Yes. That's across, yeah, the, that's across, the, bay, that's, across the bay from San that's Francisco. Marin, that's Marin County. Right. That's north of the Golden Gate. Right. And then Mount Diablo is in South Bay. And Mount Shasta is up towards the Oregon border by Lake Shasta. Well, now, Tamil Pius is where the Grateful Dead and the Jefferson Airplane used to have all those concerts up there on top of that mountain somewhere. Yeah. I remember hearing about it. Yeah, they they call those three mountains the Three Sisters. Uh-huh. Okay. But oh, well. those meets and bounds uh, go back to Spanish because the, the first land grants, many of them in California, were in the 1,500-acre, uh, and they were Spanish land grants. And then they went after the treaty, of uh, Haldago or whatever, Chris, uh, right? Um, a lot. Treaty of Guadalupe another treaty. Yeah, some, he just said it, but so, we can't talk the same. Uh, Guadalupe Hidalgo, is that it, Chris? Yeah, correct. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's so a, it, it's exciting stuff. The patents are awesome. They they were enforced, uh, really enforced. When when you transfer title, you before the forties, you always transferred it with the land patent and the the descent of the land patent because the land patent says forever in it. So all you have to do is call up the grant to be able to accept it. Because you can't pay for it. It's a grant. It's it's free. 
And, and Gibson yeah. says the reason they did this whole thing was to make sure that a poor man could never have his property taken, so he always had a way to exist. There's technical words that go to describe that transaction, and it's grant, bargain, deed, or convey to the heirs or assigns forever. Ever is perpetuity. And this is the technical language that is used in grants of land made patent in the legalese of the uh, operation of the conveyance of the land. And those terms are specific to that particular type of transaction in fee simple absolute loyal title. Uh, you're exactly right on those uh, assessments. You've done some pretty good uh, journeyman work on studying this stuff yourself, Samuel. Yeah, the, there's, a, there's like a preamble to the land patent, too. It's like a greeting for those coming forth or whatever, accepting this. I forget how the terminology goes, Chris, but that's sort of cool. It's sort of like, yeah, we the people, you know, are saying this is how it is. <laughs> well, that's the way it needs this to be. Chris, you were going to say it's foundational? Yeah, it, 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 yeah, I was just going to say that the, the ownership of private grants of land made patent were foundational to the Republican form of government that was conceived in this country to separate us and give us the ownership of land so that we all had a collective vested interest in protecting, guarding, and defending the country against all enemies foreign and domestic. This was a foundational precept that was contemplated by the founders that separated us from the other nations of the world because they all men were freeholders, had a vested interest, and therefore we the people were the ones that were supposed to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. Don't forget that that motivation was very, very seminal in the founding of the country. And I, I heard this story when I got in and started researching this stuff with John and Glenn. I, I don't know that I've ever heard too many people comment on it. But, you know, when we fought the British, the British didn't have copious amounts of troops, okay? And they had to go get mercenaries. And King George, that lineage is German, and they went over to Germany and got all these Hessians from the area of Hesse, and uh, the elector of Hesse, I think it was called Hesse, and they got all these Hessians and brought them over as mercenaries to fight in and among the troops, the British troops. Did you know that, Samuel? Oh, yeah. Yep. Okay. Well, for those who don't, let me just continue with the story. And the Hessians wore blue coats. And the British, of course, had their traditional red coats. And so they would march together, and you know, in their own groups. And one of the ways they would entice the Hessians who came from a feudal era Europe was where they could never own land. They could only be serfs is they said, well, you can come over here and get your own land. We'll give you a land if you'll come fight for us. And so the Hessians would, would desert the mercenary forces and go fight with the rebels. And because the Americans were fighting more or less one of the early guerrilla wars and would hide off in the bushes while the British marked and, you know, marched down the, the roads with all of their equipment, would ambush them from the woods. And so the Hessians would turn their blue coats inside out. They didn't have a bunch of clothes to give them. They'd turn their blue coats inside out, and that's where we get the word turncoat from. 
And that <laughs> offer of land, cool. offer of land to people that could never, not only had ever had it, but could probably in that system never acquire it, was enough to entice them to do that. Yeah, I wonder if that goes all the way back to me seeing this. Uh, I looked up uh, by county uh, where there's German dominance in the county. I mean, there's like 100 million Germans in northern part of the United States. Yep. Every county yep. is just inundated with Germans. Yep, sure is, that culture. And then, of course, they use that after the revolutions in Germany that came from those systems where the communists came out of Germany and they just all came over to the U.S. and brought them over here, populated them throughout the country up there in the northern part. And many of them, and I, I don't remember the numbers, but if you go back and go to some of the people that have got statistics, a huge amount of the northern generals were these German communists. Yeah, that, that Pilgrim Society started in Madison, Wisconsin. Did you know that? I didn't, but it doesn't surprise me. Yeah, I did a little research, and there is a guy's name. I forget his name. Is a Jewish guy that moved there, and he became a professor at the university. And he of Wisconsin. He's probably the same about. one that was at the, the critical juncture of founding of the Parashim that worked so closely with Brandeis. Yeah, I think I, they mentioned that as well. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, there's that little nucleus. And then the other day I was here watching a video, and they were talking about how when the immigrants started streaming over from Europe and the Jews were already organized, and they'd take the Jewish immigrants and come in, and they had these organizations which would give them fake diplomas and, and degrees and all this stuff, and then they ran them into the educational system. <laughs> Yeah. Not surprising. Okay, so now you you wonder yeah, why the universities are so corrupt and turning out these mushrooms uh, or star flakes or snowflakes or whatever the hell they are. Okay? I had an occasion last night to have a, 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 a an exchange with somebody that I met a couple years ago, uh, a little Alabama gal from down around Mobile, uh, at that carrot bar confab in germany uh, that we got to spend a couple 10 days over there and she's a sweet gal she's a, a big alabama uh, fan and so i had to rub it in a little bit and i sent her a little thing on the game and and so we started an exchange and uh and she said man things are really getting bad up here and i said i know i hear hear about it and read about it and all that stuff and i'm sure sorry and uh but i can only imagine the mood of the nation I mean, we're just about at civil war tensions already. And now it looks like Trump may have pulled a... It looks like maybe the the, the worms turned to Trump a little bit from what I'm seeing. Uh, and, and it looks like Horowitz's report is about to come out, very damning indictments. Uh, the, uh, the, the other uh, uh, U.S. attorney, the, the good guy evidently from up there south of Boston that's working on this stuff, uh, is evidently uh, got all kinds of damning information. And... Uh, we'll we see. I, I tell you, it's a real precarious time. It's it's almost overwhelming. Do you guys get that sense too? I mean, it's just there's the financial stuff, the geopolitical stuff, all the stuff domestically, all of the intrigue, all the lies, all the outright bull crap like with this impeachment, all the Russiagate stuff for all these years. I mean, it's just overwhelming, really. 
Yeah, I think the system used to work together, and it's ripping itself apart. I don't have any problem with that. <laughs> well, it needs to. It, it was. It, it, it's prophesized to rip itself apart, uh, and and it sure looks like it's doing a good job of it to me. The credit market's imploding. Uh, as we were saying earlier, I saw the other day the the ha- highest amount of insiders selling stock that's ever been. Uh, so we're we're real close to to some type of oh, catastrophic uh, think, tipping I, I, point I, event here. Go ahead, Samuel. I think they need to get rid of Trump because if Trump is successful in another election, which I think he might be, they say he may even take California. Now, if California gets a lot of representatives in place that are, you know, quasi, you know, uh, with Trump, um, we could end up with this new California state coming in because their plan is to ask Congress for the charter of the new state when the state fails financially. And if they have enough votes in Congress to help do that, all the, all the more possible that it may happen. And the way the thing is structured is there's more rural people that will be in, uh, in New California. So you split about 40 million. There'll be, let's say, 21 million that is rural that'll go into the new state versus all the city um, that'll stay in California. So it's sort of exciting if it happened. You know? I got to spend some time in San Francisco in my youth a month one time. They're on Gary. They call it Gary. It looks like Jerry Avenue. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, what, I what a Gary in California for a while. Yeah, what I mean, just an absolutely stunning city. Um, all the accoutrements, all the great food. Uh, uh, Napa Valley up the road. That every time you look out, you look over that scene. It's just breathtaking. Okay, and to see what the, how they've let all of that literally go to hell in a handbasket is just it, it's it's really sad yeah i won't even go there anymore roger it's gotten so bad i mean it uh it's just it's just it you're right it is a beautiful I mean, place yeah i used to go to the fillmore west man and i remember seeing those great bands i saw there and hanging out in san francisco and just absolutely going up to Coit Tower and all the other stuff that you do. And it, it was a magical time, and it was a magical city, and it just breaks my heart to see what's happened to it, really. I spent several yeah. several different slots of time out there in San Francisco, and I always really liked it. And it's just sad to see it go down. It's one of the most beautiful cities on this part of the, on this continent, really. I guess San Francisco and Vancouver. Now, here's somebody that lives across the bay there in Oakland. Uh, Shane, you lived out there all your life. Hey, Shane. Hi. You yeah, you're breaking up, so I had to call. I'm breaking up. Yes. On the on tune in, on the broadcast. Uh, yeah, you, you dropped you dropped off. Yes. Well, more than a minute, so I had to call in. Okay, well, it doesn't show me that we did on my little streaming thing that connects us, but whatever. Uh, welcome, Shane. You lived in, uh, in in where you live over there across the bay. You live in in the uh, uh, out there in Silicon Valley, right around San Jose. Yes. You lived yes, there. Yes, you lived there your whole life. No, actually, I was born in Kansas. I see. Well, hey, I moved out here to California when I was three years old. Well, hey, Shane, as the saying goes. 
we ain't in Kansas anymore. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> I think they used Dorothy instead of Shane, but, you know, what the hell, right? Uh, Douglas, uh, Douglas, well, I was wondering, Shane, if you, so uh, it, it, we're just talking about how terrible the situation that especially two major cities in California are in. Uh, needles on the street. There's there's the actual medieval diseases, you know, the plague and stuff like that that are showing up out there for God's sakes. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So just partake. also the uh, foreigners too. Yeah, yeah, a lot of foreigners, a lot of Mexicans. I guess you consider them foreigners, couldn't you? They go around and shoot people right there down on Fisherman's Wharf. And and then the, they they let them back out of damn jail, so they can go kill somebody else. I guess. Hey, Doug, what's happening up there, buddy? It's a sad situation, Shane. I'm sorry you guys got to live out there. Hey, Douglas, you hadn't we hadn't heard from you in a while. What's going on, brother? A man, a few words. Doug from Arkansas. <laughs> I've got my uh, warm underwear on. Yeah, I'll bet. Yeah, I was 14. Here this morning, and uh, with the wind chill, it was uh, two. Yikes! But but I'm not intimidated. That's good. Well, you're a northeastern guy anyway, originally, right? Yeah, Boston. Yeah, type Boston. Of area, yeah, Boston. Boston. Well, Doug, how you been? Boston, we hadn't like heard Tom. from. As I said, we hadn't heard from you in a while. How you doing? I like, remember that guy, there was this guy that they had as a comedian, I don't remember his name, but he was that real dry sense of humor guy, you know, and he'd lay those lines out there with no facial expression, right, and I remember him saying, I put my, humi- I put my, my humidifier and my dehumidifier in the same room, and I let them fight it out. <laughs> hey. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Things, you know, it's climate change. You gotta be <laughs> right. prepared. I guess it is. <laughs> yeah. So you've you been doing and, all right. Uh, you hadn't checked in with us in a while. Ah, oh, even Journeyman Jack's going to check in here. Have you? Good. We're always glad to know y'all are out there. Well, yeah, I've been listening uh, when I can, and and it's pretty, you know, mostly uh, every day, and. Uh, but today's and um, I think I've answered your question there. But anyway, um, this whole land thing that all of you have been on uh, was intriguing to me because I recently heard uh, an older uh, recorded show that went to scripture. And so... I may not be totally accurate, but what I took from it, um, and it might have been Bertrand Comparé, uh, a Bertrand Comparé right. uh, he, he show. Was, but, he was good, man. And so one of the things that really struck me in listening to this was that, and I'm, again, I'm kind of, if I if I'm not correct, excuse me. But f- what I gathered from it was this goes back to Abraham, Isaac, and the twelve 
sons. And I think it's relevant here that when basically the father would tell the man of God, okay, you know, I'm giving you the authority to do this and split up the, the property in the, in that area. Okay. And so, uh, what the speaker said was, and it, some of it related to the Jubilee year. Okay. And I'm sure you're aware somewhat of this whole thing where debts were forgiven, but along the line of land, I never knew this, that when, let's say, Moses or uh, whomever said, okay, we're going to separate the lands in this tribe, there's only 12 tribes, basically, so this tribe gets this, this tribe gets that, and what this man elucidated on was that you never, because ultimately you were given the land by the Heavenly Father. So you never, ever, you, you could sell it, okay? But that sale ended at the Jubilee year, okay? At the beginning of the Jubilee year, and it reverted back to the original owner continuously, which blows my mind in listening to well, they've kind of all re- of... They've uh, kind of reversed that system over to them, doesn't it? All the property returns to them under this other system. Yeah. yeah. But in Mr. this system... Mr. Gibson, he's a very religious man, and he ties the Bible into this under law as well, and our founding fathers and how they looked at it, very, very much so. Well, I'm anxious to hear what what you, you know, what you learned about Mr. Gibson's approach and knowledge, and it'll be interesting that you bring it to us, Samuel, and there's a lot of people it may apply to, especially in our audience, so, uh, you know, it's a good topic to overturn and and discuss because a lot of people are pretty ignorant about a lot of important facets of it, it's my experience but that that well, just goes with fire. that just goes with everything else so you know uh jack the heavenly father's rules that he set up are solid foundational and he never changes yep so what i learned from this and that applies to the discussion today is that one of the things um, the speaker said was everything related to the Jubilee year. That's kind of where everything turns over. Deaths are released, uh, are forgiven. Um, everything starts over. And the guy said, if you sold your land, um, a, a parcel of land or whatever, uh, say on a 10 year uh, timeline and the the jubilee came up in seven years then whatever the cost was for a 10-year uh lease or sale um you would get you always get the land back the original owner always he has no choice according to the father's rule the land goes back to you so uh what you would do in that case is you would uh, get, um, you would have been paid 10 years 
And so then you would uh, remunerate the uh, three years back to the guy that uh, purchased the land. And, and if you um, sold your land, let's say you needed some extra money, whatever, one year before the Jubilee year, um, then that's, once it reaches that Jubilee year, then um, that would be it. Everything would even out and balance out. Everything would be honest. It's not like you, uh, uh, you know, sold, uh, in a sense, your land for 10 years, but the Jubilee came up in seven years, and so you get to pocket that extra three years. No, you have to pay the guy um, the extra that he paid you, so everything is balanced out. Okay. It has to, and, now, and, and now you're talking about it has to be an honest monetary system. Exactly. Yeah, I wonder so, if Brent would. Uh, I wonder if Brent would know how those records were kept back in those days. Were they at maybe like the cities of refuge or something like that, where you, they would record the land changes and stuff? Be interesting to know. Well, you may well, hear something. City of refuge. You may hear something from Mr. Uh, hold on, Patrick, just a second. You may hear something back from Mr. Gibson, be able to bring that up on Friday when Brent gets here. Uh, go ahead, Patrick. Well, what you got to remember that uh, Cain didn't have a lineage in the Bible, so he was a vagabond, a wonder, cursed by the dirt, the earth, couldn't plant nothing. He didn't have any lineage in that 50-year deal. That land was strictly given to the Israelites, and if you sold it, you got it back. What he's saying is true, but it, it was rightfully given to a correct Israelite, which is us. It wasn't given to Esau Edom. That's just flat out how it was. Mongrels. And, uh, They're mongrels. Yeah, so they've they've learned our systems, what they've done yep. in the Bible, and they're, they're exploiting it upon us. Oh, they've supplanted it and put their in over it, and we think it's the same system. Bunch of dumb sheep. They're right. Jack joined us here for the onslaught came on. Daryl's waiting, and Patrick came back on. Jack, you got your homestead staked up up there on the mount? Yeah. Gosh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we're going to be on uh, HGTV tonight. Uh little uh, show about Kumbaya and Tumbaco. Really? And it's focused on renting, not uh, not buying. And I, I helped with uh, logistics and everything for the production crew back in July. Really? We shot it in July. It's gonna, you yeah, have I to, told you. Well, you might have. I forgot about it. But uh, uh, that's pretty interesting. Um, and, you know, this is something I learned from the late and great Bob Chapman. Okay. I mean, many of y'all remember him. He used to listen religiously every time he was on the air that I could catch him. Uh, part of the reason I'm in the position I'm at today is from my path crossing that guy's. I actually got to speak to him on the phone before my move to Argentina. And he told me something. He said, wherever you go, do not buy anything for a minimum of two years. Okay? Yeah, yeah very true, very true. And maybe, uh, even, maybe, yeah. even, maybe even longer. All right. Yeah. Yeah, it's no rush. It's more economical to rent. It is. Uh, you know, check it out real good. Make sure it's what you want to do. You know. Well, where you want to be, well, know you're dealing with the right people. All those things will be uh, shown to you in time where the big problem that gringos have coming down here is they got a little money. 
they've cashed in whatever. There's some kind of an economic situation in one of these countries, and they come down here, and they've never seen a deal like that before in their lives. They don't understand the culture. They don't know the language. They're the victim of anybody that can translate, and they see you as a fish, and about 98% of them get their ass cleaned. And if you don't believe me, go over and listen to some of the recent Jim Willie interviews where he's begging people for money because he's lost over six figures in Costa Rica on scams. Oh, my goodness. Daryl, oh, how I you bet. doing, bro? Well, um, this, is a, this is a pretty lively conversation here today. I was, I was just sitting back and listening. Yeah. Uh, I, there's so many people here, I just say, hey, everybody. There you uh, go. And uh, um, so... Uh, uh, Doug, Doug sort of provokes hey. me to call. Uh, Doug, hey, provoke, hey, Doug. Doug, provokes, um, Doug provokes a lot of people. I've heard. Well, I, this is a this is a character trait that I like, and uh, I want to uh, you know endorse that. So <laughs> here's here's the here's kind of the overview. Uh, uh, by the way, Samuel is bringing out some really, and Chris as well, some really. Uh, very interesting, detailed information. I just want to sort of address the overview of this. Uh, the overview of this is that uh, the objective is to deprive you of your hereditament. Mm -hmm. uh, this has been done. It, it's a state of complete. It's already been accomplished. Now, now we're trying to, uh, you know, untie the Gordian knot. And so, uh, the reason. Uh, the the reason that they can uh, deprive you of your hereditament is that you assented you assented to uh, the presumption of who they call you and and you've agreed to it correct okay and, and so so what you've done what you've done you my uh, uh, my knowledge or not but what you have assented to is that you you have violated the laws of the first god by serving the false god. Uh, this this ties into, uh, I think, what uh, Patrick Patrick is speaking to, and what Doug is bringing forth. Uh, you have you have violated the laws of the first God by serving the false God, and hence you have lost your hereditament, and you own uh, uh, allegiance and and look. Uh, for your uh, your your liberty from God of the Person Corporation, uh, the the power the the power then is a master servant master slave relationship. Yep. Okay. And and until uh, uh, here again, I'm just talking about the overview. I'm probably preaching to the choir here a little bit, but I just wanted to uh, come back and address the overview of this. And as to why, uh, 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 comes back to uh, uh, what uh, Doug is saying and and Patrick. Uh, what are what are these guys? What are you these two guys talking about? You're talking about status, standing, and capacity. Uh, and these are different things. Whether it's the first God, uh, the real God, or or the uh, fake God. Okay. And you can't serve two masters. And uh, I, I would propose until you clean up your status, standing, and capacity, you're tilting at windmills. 
So, yep. Bingo. Or as and as Glenn used to say, and it's very accurate what Glenn said. And if you don't understand that you're dealing with the feudal system, you're shadow boxing. Yeah, I totally agree, Daryl. Um, uh, that's the whole reason I did my land patent in 2010 as a slave, so I figure I'm going to redo it um, again. You know, after I change my status here, I, uh, uh, I totally, yeah, totally I, agree. I think, I think Gibson's point is real interesting, and I think it's very accurate that if you can achieve the land patent and the ownership of the land, then they can't own you by default because property can't own property. It goes back to, it's one of the real strong indicators if you go back and look at American Samoa. And this is how I got first turned on to that whole idea and researching it was because of the plebiscite that they had in American Samoa, which is a general voting of the entire population on an issue, but because they wanted to be able to get all the free goodies that they couldn't get because they owned their own land. Their whole system down there, Samuel, is structured where the people own the land, and whoever owns the land is determined by their seats in the country's legislature. So the ownership of the land is a pivotal part of their whole system of government, and that's why they chose American Samoa to set this thing up and hide the old status behind them. Their, their their ownership in the land, uh, just to expand it a little bit, uh, their ownership in the land isn't named as an individual, uh, A, B, C, D individual. The ownership in the land are families. Yep. Okay. It's family ownership. Okay. So it's it's uh, the, uh, the fee simple. Uh, the freeholders are of a family. Okay, which helps maintain the relationship of 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 uh, obligation and duty in a family. Uh, so uh, they have gone to great lengths to preserve family in American Samoa. Yes, <laughs> uh, and uh, to the point so, where then you brought uh, this and Daryl, I th- I tip my hat to you. You're the one that got on the internet, and started researching, and came up with this. In American Samoa, if you abort a baby, you've committed murder. Well, the doctor, the doctor, and the uh, and the female. Uh, so um, uh, that's that's not a part of their liberty, okay? Because uh, they they don't have the liberty to do that. So, I, I mean, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, well, we're kind of short here, but. Uh, I apologize if I'm taking this off off a track, but uh, I'm throwing sort of a I'm throwing throwing chum in the water here. Chum. You know, uh, people use people use this word liberty and freedom, and uh, I just don't think that they really can articulate what it means. They can't. They can't. <laughs> and, and I'm talking that I'm, I'm talking about uh, a lot of people, or even even people in our community have no idea. Uh, I would propose to you that sailors get liberty. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and I ain't no damn sailor. Okay. They're gonna have to learn. They're gonna have to learn what republic means first, before they get any kind of liberties. <laughs> May I? Hold it, Chris is trying to um, uh, 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 come out of the mass of voices. Go ahead, Chris. 
gospel. As I recall, Thomas Jefferson said something very close to those who wish to be free and dumb what, what never was and never can be. Very true. Well, this is, this is, uh, this is, I'd like to, I'd like to, you know, refine this a little bit. And my statement is, uh, directly to anybody that'll bear to hear it is, I don't need your liberty. I don't want the liberty. If I have freedom, liberty takes care of itself. Yes. I, I don't need liberty because if I have freedom, liberty takes care of itself. And liberty amounts to permission. Well, that's what you've and, got in our uh, society. Is you, you've got general liberty among all the other people, and all of you are serfs, and nobody virtually knows it. But you think because you can interact well, is, and interchange is, well, and do me, anything else, me, you've got this freedom stuff they sing about. So by serving the false god, okay, by, by assenting to and serving the false god, you am putting yourself under public policy, you have social, social gospel, and this is, in fact, uh, Christianity without Christ, yep. uh, the false god. Yep, neutered. Okay, this it's is why neutered. socialism is, is Christianity without Christ. Yep, yep. And, uh, anyway. Did I, did, I wanted to ask a question. Did anybody go back and listen to that Greg Hunter interview with that guy Pollock yesterday after we talked about it? Yeah, I, I saw it when it first popped up. Uh, I, I like Pollock. He's, he's, he's an abstract thinker. I like him. Yep. I thought it was a pretty good interview. Really uh, said some very relevant stuff. I, I he he is he is way over the head of Greg Hunter. Okay, way over the head of Greg Hunter. Yeah. Uh, Greg <laughs> Hunter uh, is is poor Greg. Well, listen, watching watching Pollock, watching Pollock and Greg Hunter is uh, the equivalent of a uh, Greg Hunter's the equivalent of a bobblehead in the back in your back window. Remember. You, you remember your grandparents used to have a little dachshund in the back window of their Chevy Bel Air, and and the head would bobble around in the back as a bobblehead. Yeah, my my grandparents had one of those, a little dog in the back on the back, and the head would bounce. I used to think that was funny. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Bobblehead. Yep. 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 So, yeah. so, Jack, oh, you don't join us too often. You and I are going to have lunch together here in just a few. How you do, how you doing? Did you have anything you wanted to bring in today, or just talk about that uh, HGTV thing? Well, Jack must be on a phone call. I guess he's muted out. Uh, we got about I don't know twenty five minutes. Hear me? Yep, can hear you, Samuel. Is that you? No, it's Doug. Nope. It's Doug. Okay, sorry, you're a little faint, buddy. It's a little cold up there. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My britches are uh, squeezing yep. my uh, innards. Uh, well, uh, what I wanted to say, you know, first of all, I always have to give thanks to such uh, a great. All of your shows are great, Roger. And thank you, Doug. And of course, I mean, I, I, I kind of look at Chris and Daryl and Shane and all the other people that you have come on as like guest hosts because I mean uh, they blow my mind uh, the information and here's what I'm speaking to and this 
really goes to what Daryl said. And hi, Daryl. I love you, man. Uh, if if hey, we Doug. ever get to meet, maybe maybe we can spar a little bit because I know you like that. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, yeah, yeah, we'll we'll uh, you know uh, exchange a few punches just lovingly, you know, love punches. But um, uh, but anyway, um, so I'm going back to uh, what I uh, scripture. Because I'm a, a Bible guy, and, and I think I qualify as a Greek um, scholar, okay? So I'm going to what Daryl said here, and see, one of the things I greatly appreciate about Daryl, and really all of, these, all of these men here, we're studiers, okay? We're studiers. So I'm going to 2 Timothy 2.15, and it reads like this. Study to show yourself approved unto Yahweh, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Okay? Doug, hold on. Let me me interrupt. Doug, let me interrupt for a second. Patrick, stick your your mute on, because I think the chicken coop is coming through or something. uh, Uh, Tell me if it goes out now. Let's see. Okay, I'll let you know. But but it's overshadowing Doug because he's got a faint connection. That's the reason I interrupted him. What is that? Now, who's making the noise? Where's the noise coming from? I can't tell. Somebody settle down. It ain't me, them. Chief. It okay. ain't me. I'm, All right. I'm I'm northbound and down about 70 mile an hour with quite as a whistle. Okay. Well, whoever, well, I think it stopped. Doug, I'm sorry to interrupt your thought. I wasn't trying to be rude. I just wanted to be able to hear it. You were talking 2 hey, Timothy. Show. Second Timothy, baby. We were 2 sh- Timothy. It's your show and you're the maestro. No, it's our show, and, man. Uh, it's not. It's our show. Well, yeah, That's what, okay, what Patrick's okay. just talking, Daryl's just talking about. It's like a family on here to me. Okay? Yeah, but without you, without you having established this, there wouldn't be one. Well, I, so I, I'll, 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 it that way. I'll agree with that. Okay. But I, I, um, I just appreciate uh, the venue, etc. Okay, so I'm going to 2 Timothy 2.15 as a Greek guy that studied this the the uh, newer testament many times uh, in, in greek so the first word in second timothy is the word study i'm just going off of this by the top of my head so um anyway so study that's the greek word spudazo and i spudazo the word study is spudazo Budazo isn't like, okay, open up a book and read it. It's like digging a ditch. It's like digging a hole through rock, uh, a post hole to set a post. That's, that's the impetus there. So in other words, okay, so the, con- the, the, the connotation is labor. Well, you're doing something, labor it, at it, and do it labor. serious. Don't do it superficially. It, it's... It's not just labor, it's hard labor. 
Okay, spudazo is the connotation there, the meaning of it is you are like set to dig this hole. You don't care what's in the way. So it, it really means hard work. It means accomplishing the mission. So what's the mission? Well, the mission is to show yourself approved unto Yahweh, unto the Creator. That's what we were talking about. I mentioned earlier about him giving land to people. It can't be sold uh, in, in um, perpetuity. It, it, it always reverts back to the, because the Father, through his men of God, gave the land to this individual and that head of the family. So it says, study to show yourself approved unto Yahweh a workman, okay, that needeth not to be, what the word says, ashamed, but the word, that Greek word actually means in your expectation. If you're trusting in the Father and you're doing everything you can to be righteous, and it's a fight, just like digging that hole, doesn't matter whether it's you could do it in 15 minutes. It might take two hours. No, you got to do it every matter. day. You know, Doug, the truth of it is well, you got to do it all day, every day, virtually. Well, of course. But, well, but anyway, the point is, is that you're going to dig a hole to set a post or whatever. Whatever it takes, you don't give up until the mission is accomplished. Yeah. That, that's it. So it says a workman. That's what we do. That needeth not to be ashamed. And that word ashamed means disappointed in your expectations. See, you have to study. You have to know what you're talking about. You have to know what the... You, it, it doesn't matter how many times you've gone on a project or whatever. They're never the same. Everything is, it's different. So you, you pay attention. <clears throat> You're a workman. You're paying attention. This isn't like some type of nebulous thing in life here where you're dealing with deceivers and liars and um, these carpetbaggers and, and everything we're surrounded by. You need to pay attention. So that's, that's the kind of workmen we are in all of the, you know, Samuel, ev everybody here. You know, I give uh, great honor to all of you that needeth not to be disappointed in your expectations. Well, if, if you're not going to be, if you're, in other words, your expectation is to do the job in five minutes, but it took two hours. But your goal is we're going to overcome. We're going to win. We're going to beat the enemy or, or we're going to, you know, get this project done. And it doesn't matter what it takes. Our objective is we're workmen and we're going to get it done. And we do get it done. It might take 20 years. It might take, you know, whatever. That needs not to be ashamed. And here's the key to it. Rightly dividing the word of truth. See, that's the whole objective of the Radio Ranch and many other 
shows out there and people out there. We want truth. Truth is the father. Truth is always right. It's the mighty truth sword. The light. It is the mighty sword. It's yeah. got razor sharp edges on both sides. It cuts and, and, both and, ways. And, and thank you for. And you know what? And thank you for letting me speak here. But here's the thing about the double-edged sword that I learned. I was taught many years ago. The double-edged sword in battles. A lot of the. Um, people that use double-edged swords, the enemy realized, because it's sharp on both sides, that if they could shove that sword back into the guy that had the double-edged sword, he could kill him or injure him. But in the spiritual sense, we are not hypocrites. See, this is about truth. So you have to be truthful, I have to be truthful, and if you deviate from the Father's truth, then that double-edged sword will cut you, it'll chastise you, it'll correct you, if if you're willing, if that's your goal. You don't want to be dishonest, but if you don't want to be honest, then that double-edged sword Well, you know, Doug, one of the reasons I set this up, of course, initially I set this program up to get the information out because I know it's revolutionary and we pioneered an approach that obviously works. But then as we got further, it is that it isn't isn't, uh, available. It isn't on the quick uptake to everybody, but yet the information needs to be spread and it needs to be taught and it needs to be reinforced. And that's what this platform has developed into, is a group of you wonderful people that interact with us on a regular basis and a lot of people out there that listen that don't. For whatever reason, I don't know, it's all right, okay? But uh, that's what we've got here and it's been a... It's been something that wasn't planned by me. It's just evolved. Yeah, the, the, oh, the, book the book of Timothy real quick. It's a good book for a relationship with a female. Whether you need to straighten one out or set one up to have a good relationship. I, uh, I worked for Brenda Jean over on that many moons ago. and We, we got a great relationship because she knows where she stands. And Timothy will put a woman in their place and show them the attribute of, you know, helping us prepare for what we're doing. It's, uh, it's, it's a beautiful book. It covers a lot of ground. Okay. Uh, you. Over to you, Bob. Thank you, Patrick. Somebody was going to say something yep. a second ago. Was it you, Daryl? Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, I, if, if I might, uh, uh, just, to, just to take uh, what Doug was saying there and just make a one little point uh, about what Doug was speaking to and the book of Timothy. Uh, uh, a workman... Uh, a workman, uh, that's what I do, and uh, this is what uh, my friend Jimmy does, and this is what uh, Doug does, this is what Patrick does. Uh, almost everybody I know, uh, they're workmen, and uh, I'm going to point out something obvious that a workman does. If you're a workman, you get your hands dirty, and sometimes you're sore after you've done it, <laughs> and you have to have tools. Okay, so it takes it takes strategy, planning, and effort to be a workman, and you have to organize yourself and organize your thoughts, and then you have to execute. But always remember, 
if you're a workman in this in this in this field of labor, your hands are going to get dirty. <laughs> if your hands aren't dirty, uh, you're virtue signaling. And you're going to get and you're going to get sore. You're going to get very sore when you work very hard, and that's why you need Stem Cell Ultra. Yeah. Right. Okay. Wow, Roger. Wow. 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 Don't be on the dumb end of the stick. I couldn't help it, Daryl. Sorry. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll set up, yeah. Yep. Uh, listen, we're towards the end of the show. We've got a couple of minutes left, but I guess Paul's going to be with us tomorrow. I think he's he he enjoys the, the get-together on Wednesday, and I know all of us does too, and there's a lot talking and, uh, happening to talk about, of course. Um, it's uh, it's uh, As I was saying earlier in the show, it's almost mind-boggling the amount of things that are important that are happening simultaneously. And there's just no way to keep up and master all of them. And I think the best thing to do is just step back and be aware of them. But there's some real serious stuff, and we're pretty close. Well, yeah, uh, I just want, before the, the show ends here, uh, I just want to uh, acknowledge uh, Chris and Samuel again uh, on this uh, uh, Peace Simple freeholder and uh, land patent conversation. Uh, there's just too many, too many important areas for any one individual to be uh, a so-called, uh, I use the term loosely, expert on something. And... Uh, I'm I'm uh, very very interested because this conversation directly applies to me, and uh, I honestly haven't been able to uh, find the time and resources to be a workman <laughs> in that specific area. So well, I, I appreciate what you guys are doing. Well, that's where the old saying "many hands make for light work" come in, and 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 Samuel and Chris. Chris got experience. Samuel's got desire and motivation and we can all benefit from it and collectively share it's a it's a good arrangement yeah well yeah well uh yeah this 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 requires a life change lifestyle change when you go back to serving the the uh first god the real god yeah uh, you, you can't, you can't, you can't change, you can't get what you're talking about getting and keep what you got. You know, Daryl. <laughs> you're going to have to let go of something. As, as I got into this so many years ago and started to go through my awakening and you learn more about these guys and it just got to a point of, for me personally, where I felt dirty. You know, I, I felt like the old thing, never wrestle with a pig. All you can do is get dirty and the pig likes it. Uh, and, and the more I learned about them, the damn dirtier I felt. Okay. And so it, it, it had a personal direct relationship on me. Not that my life was so out of whack, but to go in and fine tune the areas where, uh, where I wasn't in sync and to try and remove and separate myself from that as much as possible. And I have a sneaking suspicion that's happened with a bunch of other people as they've gotten into this information too, actually. It's a growth process, it's yeah. an empowerment process, and it's a wonderful process to go through. And I'm so proud to be able to point to people like you, Daryl, and the others, and Brian Howard, and the people that have really gone through this at a high level to me, and see the results, and to see the change in you since you first started calling in the show about five years ago. 
Well, uh, yeah, I, uh, I don't think my, uh, my, my attitude or personality has changed too much. Uh, in the beginning, I, I didn't have much to say because I didn't feel like I knew much. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. But and, the more you've and, known, the more you've yeah. become empowered. That's the whole point. Yeah, well, uh, I'll, I'll go along with that. Uh, I'm uh, like going back to what Doug said, you know, as a workman, uh, I want to build something. Yeah. Okay. I want to, I want to look back at the end of my day and say, well, this is what I built. So, you know, out there in the shop right now, I'm uh, inventing new triple trees for a gold wing special application. Well, this has never been made before, but my hands get dirty. I make mistakes. Uh, uh, when you're doing this, these, all these other kinds of work, like we're talking about here, this is why the many hands are so great because we can spread the mistakes out. Yeah, there you, <laughs> you go. Know? And then don't forget, uh, I mean, and, really, mistakes, and, mistakes, and failures are the only way you learn. And uh, so, well, I, I had, I had people ask me uh, years ago, you know, Daryl, how did, how did you manage to become such a, a good pilot? And I said, I've made a lot more mistakes than you. Yeah. Okay, I made a lot of mistakes. And I, this just, I didn't crash the plane. We're about to crash here on the show, though. I sure appreciate each and everybody oh boy. that joined in, that contributed. And don't, I always forget, Jim Ram's next. And we'll be back tomorrow with Paul. And you guys go uh, get strapped in, do everything you need to do in all your pursuits. You know what time it is. As Bob Dylan would say, you don't need a weatherman to know what time, what, which way the wind blows. I'll see you all tomorrow. Yeah, I'll be with you. Lay your